Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Red House Podcast coming to you here on this beautiful Sunday. This is Carlos, your host, and this is going to be my second podcast. Um, how I'm handling my podcast, I'm just kind of going through different topics every now and then. Today's topic, what I want to um, cover is hunting, specifically on the reservation. There's been a drawn out process that, uh, that takes place. And I just want to share some information and share my experience thus far uh, this year in this entire process. It's been a couple of years going, so I just want to share this all with you. And if you have any questions or you want to know what it takes to try and get a hunt on the reservation, you know, listen up, let me know. And I look forward to hearing from you. So without further ado, I'll sit back, relax, and enjoy back again. Uh, this is Carlos, Red House Podcast. So today I'm going to be covering hunting. Hunting, uh, just kind of what I've been going through, um, how long I've been doing it, what piqued my interest, so on and so forth. I lived in Prescott Valley for a couple of years with my family, and while I was there, I met this co-worker there. His name was um, Terry White, or is Terry White, and we used to go out fishing, camping, hunting together, and he's the one that really got me going as far as uh, putting in a tag and getting me educated on how to put a tag in on the Arizona State side. Um, I've hunted in the past as a kid. You know, I've gone out with my uncles. We've gone out deer hunting, coyote hunting, uh, rabbit hunting, and uh, but that's all been on the reservation. And, you know, I don't know at the time as a as a young adult, what steps it took in order to get these uh, uh, these tags or to go about it in the right the right way. Um, so going back to Prescott Valley, I met Terry White. Um, he introduced me to archery. He um, built his own traditional bow, and that's what piqued my interest. I said, man, I'd, I'd really like to do that one day. I'd really like to learn how to shoot. So... He showed me a recurve bow, a compound bow, and a long bow. And I shot them all um, and decided that I really like the recurve bow. The recurve bow is um, a takedown system that I have. It's a 55-pound draw and very, um, very challenging, very difficult to, to, to master. And but a lot of fun, a ton, a ton of fun. So I decided that I wanted to do archery, and I knew it was going to be very challenging, but I just didn't know how challenging. So to get things started, what we did is we put in for javelina, 
And in Arizona, we had to put the javelina in in late October and uh, early November for the spring hunt. And Terry, you know, brought me through the process, you know, told me that I needed to log in on Arizona Game and Fish Department website, uh, create a login. There I can purchase my um, hunting license as well as a fishing license, and I'd be able to go hunt. And he also introduced me to how to put in for the draws, um, you know, setting up the payment system, and really just educated me on how to do things properly, how to do things in a timely manner and make sure I met the deadlines, you know, so I'm not trying to scramble for an over a counter tag. Um, but our first hunt was down South and toward Phoenix. And we had drawn, a, uh, two Havelina tags. So we had gone out scouting before by a near Lake Pleasant and, you know, we hadn't seen nothing, uh, early in the morning, but later in the afternoon we had come across a small little herd but it was they were so far away but just really getting me into the into the feel of being outside you know trying to find and locate these animals and try to um seek out their habitats and where they may be in you know early mornings to late afternoons and even in the evening so it was really a lot of fun it was a lot of fun just being out there and trying to locate animals, trying to track them, um, and most of all, just shooting. We had taken us oh uh, a few trips just to finally locate some javelina and you know see them in their habitat, but we had never we were never able to get close enough to take a shot, uh, which was unfortunate. But I mean, still the learning process was just was a lot of, was just the the best part of it. We had gone out with his sons, uh, which had also drawn, they had also drawn a javelina tag. And from that moment on, you know, that led me to purchasing my bow. That led me to purchasing, you know, even some, some boots, some camouflage. And this has been just about 10, about 10 years ago now. Um, and I can't thank him enough. I mean, I, I, try to reach out to him and uh, let him know like hey I, I got drawn I can't wait to share my experience with you this is going to be a now since I lived in Prescott Valley um I have since moved to Flagstaff and I've been putting in for elk I've been putting in for deer and I've been putting in for javelina just about every year now I've drawn javelina tag uh three times so far and three times I've been unsuccessful um you know, it's it's not so much, I mean, it, it is frustrating, but what I get out of it is the time that I spend with my friends, the time that I spend with my brothers, the time I spend with my family, when I'm out scouting, when I'm out on the hunt, and just to pursue and getting to explore and navigate new land has just been uh, very rewarding to me, and it's something that I enjoy the most. If I harvest an animal... That's just the that's just the cherry on top, and you know I I can't wait to harvest the first javelina and just uh, fully experience you know the the sense of accomplishment and and having all the time uh, that I've taken to just finally pay off. But in all my experience so far, I mean it's it's just been a blast. I mean I've had a great time doing it.
finally, uh, you know, I decided to put in for elk and deer and have never gotten drawn, you know, but which is fine, you know, which is perfectly fine. And my, my brother-in-law and his wife now, they put in for hunts on the res. And I finally thought to myself, you know, well, why don't I try to do that? And I think I made this, this choice about four years ago, I want to say. I wanted to try to get a hunt out of the reservation. So I had to make some phone calls, figure out what it is that I need to do. I called the Game and Fish Department, and they said, you have to have a hunter safety course uh, completed before you're able to hunt on the reservation. So I said, okay. I looked up the hunter safety course. There's There was a free course going on in Monument Valley. It was a three-day course. Um, so I signed up for that. I spent the time out there, and I completed the course. Um, I passed and I finally got my hunter safety, um, permit, my certificate. And in the course, you know, it covers, uh, of course your safety, you know, your rules and regulations, you know, um, making sure that you, you're harvesting the right animal, that you're identifying the animal also, not just for yourself, but for the people that you may be, that may be accompanying you. You know, children, other adults, making sure that we're, we're uh, well-educated in the firearm or weapon that we're going to be using for the hunt. And it was very, I'm very happy that I did. I'm very happy that I took it. Um, it was very beneficial, and I'm, I'm happy that the tribe does require that. I think it's only, uh, it's, it's for the safety of not only the individual that's taking the class, but for the other hunters that are going to be out there. So that way, you know, you're well aware of your surroundings and you know that there's potentially other people in the area. So you're not careless with what it is that you're doing. So the next step after that was to take a look at the, the map, the hunting units on the reservation. Um, I had to look up the dates for when I needed to submit my application. Um, also what the dates are with the seasons and it took some time but you know I finally put my time in and I submitted my application the first year uh, right after I got my certification you know but it was unsuccessful I didn't get drawn you know which was a bummer but I'm not gonna I didn't let it get me down and until finally this year I was selected for archery elk and archery deer and archery deer season uh, ended about a month ago now. In archery elk, about uh, about a uh, maybe two weeks ago now, I would say that it finally ended. But I was really um, unprepared, and I was prepared, but I wasn't prepared. If that makes sense, there was I was very shocked. I was shocked that I got drawn. To be honest with you. But it was very exciting at the same time. I was very, very excited and just happy that I was drawn for uh, the two big game animals on the reservation. So I checked out my units. My deer was going to be the first one up, so I made it a point to try to get out there as often as I could to scout. Now working a full-time job, um, you know, taking care of the kids as well, it was very challenging. And being in Flagstaff and all automatically being, you know, 30 minutes away, 40 minutes away from the reservation was a challenge in itself. You know, you're already driving 60 miles 
to get to and from. But the places that I wanted to go, you know, you really just had to try to ask yourself, where do I think or where do I feel these deer will be? So you're covering such a vast area that these animals could be just about anywhere. So what I started doing is I started just asking people. I asked the people that I know, the friends that I've made, the people that I know that live in certain areas, hey, have you seen deer here? Have you seen elk here? You know, and I'd say 70% of the time the answer was yes. But the next question is, okay, so when was the last time you saw the animals here? And it'd be, I can't remember, maybe it's been about a month or so, you know, which is helpful, but it's, it's, they don't come through as frequently as you think. So then you have to ask yourself, do I really want to spend as much time here in this one area? Or should I try looking for vegetation? Should I try looking for water, elevation, or should I just stay down in the flat areas? All these different questions just start coming through your head and you just start wondering, all right, where do I begin? So, uh, with my archery deer tag, I was in units, I believe, 9 through 12 on the reservation. And I concentrated my time and my effort on Gray Mountain. Um, I really felt good about it. Uh, it's back in the Coconino National Forest from the Grand Canyon side, which has always got deer and elk. And I'm just thinking to myself like this is going to be a great area um everything's going to work out there's going to be i'm sure there's just an abundance of animals up there i spoke to a gentleman in the past who said that he had uh harvested an elk up there you know which was i felt very promising until we had gone scouting i'd gone scouting for uh i want to say seven eight days not in a row but you know, the days leading up to my hunt. And the first day we went up there, I mean, I, we went up on the south side of the mountain and it it was just some very, very rugged terrain, very rough roads. But we made it up and as soon as we got up to the top of the mountain, we saw one doe, one doe. And I really felt like, all right, this is a great start. Everything's going out really good right now. I, I can't, I can't wait to see what more we find and we came up to um, another roadway and we come across uh, I'd say about a half dozen uh, wild horses you know which was which was very nice as well too I had um, seen wild horses in the past but nothing this uh, this close before and it was just really cool to be up there I'd never been on top of Grand Mountain never been to these areas so it was really just fun driving around, hiking in, exploring all this new terrain, and just trying to familiarize yourself with the area um, in a short amount of time. So we drove, um, I mean, we drove for miles. We, with the dough in the back of our mind, you know, we're like, okay, there's got to be more around here somewhere. So we're driving, we're driving, we're, you know, pulling over, we're glassing, pulling out the binoculars, trying to just find these deer. And there was none. We located a few water holes. The water holes were just 
dried out. There was no vegetation around uh, a water hole to you know even set a blind in, and it was very uh, it was very disheartening. You know, there was just no water up there to where these animals would want to come back to. And I don't know where these horses were getting their water. I tried to follow them, but it was a private, I'm sorry, it's not private land, but um, a home site lease that this individual was running up there. And they had water there, but it was primarily for their horses. And we didn't see any deer um, at all. It was, um, you know, after the first day of scouting up there, it was... uh, it was okay. You know, we, we still felt positive. We still felt okay. Like, okay, well, it's only one day. We can't, you know, we can't let that uh, determine the rest of our trip. So we waited again, and finally we went out for two days this time. And we decided to camp out, you know, really just spend some time in this area. So we we left one night. We camped out uh, for two days, and we did not turn up any deer whatsoever uh, the weather was just brutal i mean in the early mornings you're looking about 50 degrees but come late afternoon i mean you're pushing about 90 degrees up in the up in the mountain and it was just very very hot very dry and there was just no water we had located a few water holes on my map and we tried to get to these locations we hiked in to get there but there was no water so we try to figure out another plan of action. Do we just stay up here? Do we continue to stay here? And we just had that uh, thought of the doe in the back of our head saying, yeah, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. You know, I can't see deer being in the valleys of Cameron or the valleys of uh, uh, Loop, Arizona. And so we concentrated a lot of my efforts and, or our efforts on Green Mountain. We just put all our marbles in, all our chips in, whatever analogy you want to use, but we banked on it. So opening day came, and I said, I've been spending all my time at Green Mountain. I know which way I'm going. That's where I'm going to go. So opening day came, and I packed up my truck, got everything ready. Uh, I left with my son, and I left with my cousin, it was just right after work. I got off work at 6, and I said, all right, we're going to head up there. So we left at 6. We got there about 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and we set up our camp, and, you know, we just waited, waited for opening day. We um, got camp all set up. You know, we ate some food and just enjoyed the evening with one another and uh, got to bed and early the next morning. We got started, and we started in the first area that we saw the – doe and we waited nothing showed up uh, we we glassed we hiked we drove and nothing ever came out of that trip I mean we had a we had a great time with uh, you know in, a, in one another's company don't get me wrong but as far as finding the animals and the, the deer that we were looking for there was just they were nowhere to be found. Maybe, uh, maybe they were there. We just couldn't find them. Maybe they just eluded us. I don't know, but I honestly felt that they just were 
uh, in a completely different area. I think they went further west to a game management side such as the Coconut National Forest where they've got water there. I think they just jumped the fence and went there. But, you know, I could be wrong. I don't know. I'll never know until I get up there again and try to scout and uh, find out for myself. So after spending a few days up there, you know, I finally just had to ask myself, do I really want to come back here? Do I really um, want to spend my entire time out here trying to locate these deer? Um, so I went up there one more time. It was just my son and I, and we didn't turn nothing up either. So uh, we cut the trip short and decided to drive from Cameron through Talani Lake, to Talani Lake on the Sturt Road and we stopped at a few areas, and there was just absolutely nothing. Uh, I talked. I spoke to a <clears throat> a customer of mine. I said that they had seen some deer out toward Talani Lake and just north of the Loop. So I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna go try to scout that area and see if I could find anything out there myself. So I did, and nothing ever turned up. It was just very challenging uh the roads were fine like the roads were well maintained but you know when we went on some of the roads it was just very open area very very vast land um little you know little to no cover to where you can um hide you have to have a blind and hope that you're in the right place to come across one of these deer if they were out there which we didn't see um we spent the time in Loop, we also spent time in Talani Lake and coming back from Cameron, and we went to Canyon Diablo, and we went to Canyon Diablo, it was, it was nice, that's where my stepfather's from, and uh, it's always good to go back there, but always saw we're antelope there, and no deer, we checked the, we checked the canyon, drove near um, the casino, we went to the canyon there, and which is Padre Canyon, and there was still nothing. I mean, we, we saw some sign, you know, we saw, you know, scat. Uh, we also found a few rubs, but everything was just so dated. It was, you know, we couldn't determine whether the uh, scat that we found, the rubs that we found had either been there for two days or two weeks. So very, very tough to find in those open areas. And just as our um, season, the deer season was coming to an end, you know, we, uh, banked on one more location and it was quite a ways out and you know it just took a lot of uh I mean just contemplating whether we wanted to go out there or not but it's new area didn't have time to scout it at all and we just decided to go out there for the day just make a day trip and see if we turn anything up we left toward um, Indian Wells uh, Greasewood and Burnside and Clavito and we drove majority of the time. We hiked in maybe in three different areas, and there was some good sign. There was good sign in uh, going toward um, Greasewood. We had uh, driven in the back, and we hiked in this great location, but there was just we just not did not come across anything. There was no deer. There was no sign of any any deer there. And the other thing that puzzled me through this entire um, hunt is I did not see 
one coyote at all either. I mean, you know, usually you come across one uh, either just running across the road or just off in the distance, but I did not come across one single coyote, which was very bizarre. Um, so we met it. We met a, a gentleman in the area that we hiked in. It was his home site lease, so he just politely asked us not to uh, haul wood there, which was perfectly fine. But he said hunting was fine, and um, I think if we just maintain these relationships with people like that, you know, it just helps us in the future, and it makes it better for hunters to come into the area as well, too. You know, respect their land, respect their area, respect their home, and in turn, you know, they'll allow you to come back again and again. So I was very uh, fortunate to have, have met this gentleman, and he was politely... Uh, he was polite to us, you know, he was kind, he said, Hey, you know, no problem. You can come back. Um, if you need anything, like my house is right over there. So very hospitable, you know, and very nice guy. And I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I was able to meet him and make sure that everything was fine with what we were doing in his area. So that concludes my, my deer season. That's just the deer part of it. And I mean, the advice that I could give is just to, if you're willing to hunt on the reservation, you you really got to commit. I mean, well, with any hunt, any hunt, you got to commit yourself and your time, a lot of your time, just trying to find where these animals are. Um, getting familiar with the area. Uh, once you do find animals, you know, you want to make sure that you you try to find their patterns, try to find their habits and see where they're going to be, where they're going to go. Are they around water? How far away are they from water? You know, just a couple of things that you need to take into consideration. I wouldn't change anything that I did other than just, I wish I could have spent more time toward Greasewood and Clagato because I think that area just is, is just a, a very nice area. I think it's a prime area for, for deer especially, and even some elk. And I I think next year I'm going to stick with the same units that I that I chose this year, but spend more time on the east side of the reservation or the east side of my unit and get to, get to know that area and get familiar with that area and possibly have the opportunity to harvest an animal there. I may go back to Gray Mountain and, you know, give it another shot. It just really would depend on the weather and, you know, how uh, the water holes are up there, how the vegetation is. And um, I think a lot of things would have to change up there in order for me to want to go back up there. But I would just probably just go back up there just to camp. I mean, the place is just gorgeous. I mean, it's absolutely wonderful. The night sky, the, the wild horses. Uh, the few people we came across, I mean, it was just a great place. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun up there. And so applying for your tag, you know, there's a couple of things that are required. Obviously, a, a driver's license or ID. And you also need to submit your uh, census number. They'll ask you for your census number, um, not necessarily your certificate of Indian blood, but just your census number making sure that you are an enrolled tribal member and you just pay your fee. You had to fill out or print out the forms online, complete it, and then fax it back into the office and make sure all your information is complete. Then you wait, 
you wait until the draw, and the only way you know if you've been drawn is you check your bank account. You check your bank account, your credit card. If it's been hit, then you know you've been drawn, and then you wait for your uh, tags to be mailed out to you. Um, and I got lucky that I was drawn for the deer and elk. And I know now that my first year, this really being my first solo, quote unquote, solo hunt, um, for big game, I, I'm just taking into account where I went, what I've done, and I know what I need to do differently now. A lot of it is just taking the time, taking the time to be out there, taking the time to um, locate the animals and just to try to find them and knowing that, okay, I know where these animals are. I know they're up here and um, and making it happen, like, you know, coming up with a plan, executing the plan and making it happen. Um, I know the tough part of it is just work, you know. Um, having to go to work from, you know, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. just about every day. You know, you're not getting a whole lot of time to make it out to these areas to scout and to try to find these animals, but you got to try to work with what you got. You have to work with what you got, and that's what I got to do. Um, so I'm just going to stop here for right now. I'm going to probably just make this a little series episode. So this first part of it is going to be just some general information about how to put in, you know, for your tags and stuff like that, what was required to get a hunting permit. And that was just uh, my deer season, my archery deer season on the reservation. And the next one will be my elk tag, um, locating elk, where I went my for my units. And I'll elaborate on all that just as I did in this episode and just make it a couple part series and if i have somebody that wants to come on and you know discuss you know hunting ideas uh opinions some advice you know then i'll definitely definitely welcome that individual to come in and and uh, share this information with us um again that's going to conclude this episode and if you have any questions please comment me please reach out to me willing to just listen i'm willing to just listen and hear what advice you have for hunting on the reservation specifically the navajo reservation i know there's a lot of hunters out there uh that have some successful experiences and some that don't have successful experiences such as i did and i'd like to hear what you guys got to say so please uh do so and look forward to hearing from you guys soon and i'll see you on the next one have a good day bye